So there's something going on this week. What's happening this week? All over Winnipeg. What's happening? School. How many people are happy about school starting again? How, all the parents? Yeah, two hands for the parents. And how many people are slowing? Okay, we won't ask. We're going to be strength-based. Everyone's excited that it's a new school year beginning. And it's interesting that uh, it's not just the, the little kids. I remember seeing our, our youngest go off in a school bus and you think, how was he ever going to make that first step? Some kids are so small you want a booster or something to get them onto the school bus. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, first day of high school. <gasps> and then all of a sudden, they're out of the nest. And one or both parents are crying on the way home, thinking our kid is launched into college or university. Or it, it, it's just a, a gradual progression, right? We have, uh, our daughter had a high school teacher, actually, whose, whose mom took a picture of him on his first day of school as a teacher. <laughs> and uh, she drove by and said, Honey, don't, don't leave yet. I've got to take a picture of your first day of school. And it's going, Mom, this is awkward. People are going to see me. But uh, there's something about this new stage of life and this new time of year that uh, is kind of exciting and scary at the same time. But there's something, I think, actually, the happiest people on the first day of school are all the retired teachers, like my mom, who meet for breakfast and talk about the good old days and go, na 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 boo boo at all the other teachers. So if you're in the education industry, so to speak, you've got a lot to look forward to, I suppose. There's one thing we need in our backpacks this week as we go off to school that we won't be able to buy at any supply store. You can't go to Staples and go, eh, that was easy, and pick it up there. You can't get it online. It doesn't come in a package per se, but it's absolutely essential in all of life and not just in school and not just as we go through new experiences. Everyone is concerned about how will that first day go? Who am I going to sit beside? Where's my locker going to be? Can I even get my locker open? Do I know where I go? What are my instructors and teachers going to be like? And everyone comes home, and and hopefully you have someone at home saying, how did it go? How did it go? And you get various reports, good, bad, awful, everything in between. But what's really key in life and going through especially new and challenging circumstances, that one secret ingredient that we can't pick up at the school supply store is something that's called resilience, the ability to bounce back. Now, I don't have any balloons today. I'm sorry, Jeff is the expert in the balloon business. But I want to demonstrate what resilience looks like. Some of us have the ability to bounce back from adversity. Um, it, it, it's it, it really indicated by how we respond to, to hard times in life. It's the ability to rebound from stress and crisis. It's the capacity to be optimistic, uh, to solve problems, to be resourceful, to develop caring support systems. All these things help us to bounce back. So... 
resilience isn't something that you're born with. It's something that we learn. And hopefully, if we have a fairly healthy family or friends or network growing up, we learn how to bounce back from adversity. Some of us don't pick up those tools (coughs) until later on in life when we start learning them as adults, but it's never too late to learn how to be resilient. That's the good thing. And you may be saying to yourself, how good am I at bouncing back from things? Some of us uh, bounce back fairly well. And others of us, oh, haven't, I knew this was going to happen. Others of us need a little more practice, right? We just need a little more coaching on how to bounce back from adversity. And if we can make meaning of adversity, um, it helps us keep a positive outlook and, trans, and, and transcend the hard times that we go through. But you might ask yourself, well, how do I know if I'm a resilient person? Am I a kind of person who bounced back from trouble or hard times? The Canadian Mental Health Association gives this little checklist. There's something, uh, they'll be careful of tests online. They're, they're not super nuanced and you have to read into them a little bit. So I'm going to couch the language. But ask yourself this question. Don't. No show of hands, please. When life gets tough, do I tend to retreat from friends and family? Do I tend to isolate myself? That might indicate how resilient you are. Or when I'm under serious stress, do I sometimes feel like I can't lead a normal life? However we define normal. Normal's overrated, don't you think, Jeff? Yeah, right on. Um... Do I usually believe that I can learn from difficult times? That indicates, too, am I resilient? Can I learn from hard times? After some emotional upheaval, does it make me feel guilty to feel happy? After something hard happens, do I just stay kind of in the dumps? Or do I realize, hey, I can feel okay again eventually? Uh, Do I exercise regularly and eat right even when life gets busy or stressful? And lastly... Do I have a great support network? Some of these questions we can ask ourselves and think, do I have the ability to bounce back? Or, oh, there it goes again. Do I need to learn how to be resilient? I read an article this week in the New York Times by David Brooks. It was fascinating, talking about, and he was interviewing um, college professors and saying, how have you seen students change over the years? And uh, the response went something like this. Students today are amazing, but they're more emotionally fragile than ever. And some people have call them the, the orchid generation. Orchids are beautiful flowers that need to be kind of pampered and protected and, and guarded and, and sometimes, I confess, as a parent, even though my children are all in their 20s and they're doing well, they're probably way ahead of where I was at their, their age, I still have this tendency to want to protect them in bubble wrap and put a helmet on them and don't let bad things happen to them. That's kind of a natural protective instinct as a parent. But that doesn't do them any good in the long run, Right. And I was thinking, as preparing this uh, message, I was thinking, wow, you know, uh, I could think back to a couple of instances where 
I had to walk some of our kids, and Luann's really good at this, but particularly in this instance was a couple of instances where I had to walk our, especially our boys through adversity when they had encountered a profound disappointment. And it was really hard being with them and aching with them, but realizing, you know what? This hard time will not end. It doesn't define you. You can overcome this. And it's hard to believe when you're 11 and your life has crashed down on you that things will get better, but it did. But how do we overcome that? How do we develop resilience in our lives? The answer is not what I grew up with. (laughs) Toughen it up. Suck it up. Um, Because the answer to being uh, emotionally tough is not being callous or hard or closing ourselves off to our feelings or denying our feelings. Um, That doesn't help in the long run. And, And people who do that, who shut off their feelings or numb their emotions, they have to turn to alcohol or other things just to self-soothe. And, and that's not a helpful way to go, is it? We need to separate being tough and resilient from being hard and calloused and brittle. Because when we're brittle and hard, we don't bounce back very well. But if we can keep our hearts tender and resilient and tough, we can bounce back from hard times. I think the people we admire most for being resilient, they're not hard or crusty or brittle, but they're passionate about some cause. They're passionate about some ideal or some relationship and wanting to make more of their life than just in overcoming current circumstances helps them to deal with setbacks and pain and betrayal. Resilience is developed when we focus on something outside of ourselves. And the best way to build resilience is to find a cause that's bigger than us. We need to find something that is beyond us so that life is not just about us. And I want to um, encourage you today to think carefully about this. I think the best way for someone who follows Jesus to build resilience into their life, the ability to bounce back from hard times, is to imitate Jesus. What does resilience look like in the Bible? Well, I think we find uh, a really good example of this in Philippians chapter 2. And it reads like this. I'm encountering some adversity here. There we are. Great. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now think about this. We have a hard time understanding how the creator of the universe could ever cram himself into human form and become one of us. 
And some faiths will vehemently deny, it's almost blasphemy to suggest that Jesus was God. But for those of us who follow him, it's really the only reason we would want to follow him. Otherwise, he would just be another good teacher and another good man. The fact that God took on human form. This is often kind of a Christmas theme, and I think you've heard me mention this before. It's almost like one of us, if you have a goldfish in an aquarium and you desperately want to communicate with that goldfish, you can yell at it, you can talk at it, you get up close to it and you scare it away. How do you relate to the goldfish? You would have to become a fish yourself. Anybody here want to volunteer to become a goldfish? No. I don't care about the fish that much. I mean, it's nice, it's pretty, but if something happens to it, flush, I'll go to the pet store and get another goldfish. To be honest, that's what I would do. Callous, aren't I? Heartless. But God, because he created us and wanted to be in relationship with us, was willing to lower himself, humble himself, and become one of us with all the limitations of being a human being. He wanted to become one of us. And when Jesus came as a human being to be one of us, now think about this. Did he arrive as a fully adult male with the classic white horse and big announcement and PR machine and da-da-da-da, I'm here? Of course not. He came in Kind of like the back stairs. He snuck in the back window, basically, didn't he? As a baby and was born in a grubby little place in a forgotten corner of the Roman Empire. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense at all. Uh, The birth of Jesus was a public relations nightmare. An absolute failure. Because God doesn't play by our rules. Thanks be to God. He doesn't come to overwhelm us and dazzle us. Uh, We would be be able to respond. But Jesus lovingly kind of almost kind of sneaks up to us and reveals his heart to us and going, wow, that's what God's love is like. Not based on, he doesn't love us on the basis of our appearance or worth. Now, you've all cleaned up very well for church and appreciate that. And I hope you appreciate that I cleaned up well for church too. But it's not based on outside appearance, is it? God doesn't pick us based on our beauty or looks or anything else. He just loves us because he loves us. And Jesus humbled himself to become one of us. And in fact, he went so far as to humble himself by dying in the most publicly humiliating way possible to demonstrate, to make it possible for us to be in his family. Somebody had to pay the price for all the sins in the universe, and Jesus volunteered to do that. But he thought it was worth it. He thought it was worth it. And that gave him resilience to withstand all the opposition and nasty, horrible things that happened to him. He had resilience. It gave him purpose to go through and to stick through it to the end. 
And therefore, because of that, God elevated him to the highest place, the place of highest honor, and gave him the name above all other names, so that at the name of Jesus, every name, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Was it worth it? Was it worth it for Jesus to die for us? Are you worth dying for? Am I worth dying for? Apparently, Jesus thinks so. Anybody kind of mildly excited about that? Are we worth dying for? I'll give you a cue. If you want, if we were in a certain kind of church in another part of North America, you'd all be excited and yelling amen. So amen just means yes. Okay, so one, two, three. Are we worth dying for? Yeah. Yeah. All right, someone's catching on. Thank you, Blake. We are. Now, I'm not trying to manipulate you into your play with your emotions or anything like that, but it's okay to release your emotions in church. We do at hockey games and sporting events this afternoon. I'm going to be yelling at the TV because we're playing that green team from some another province, and obviously we're going to win. But it is okay for us to say, wow, Jesus thinks we're worth dying for. And he did it. And that gave him resilience. That gave him the ability to bounce back from all the adversity that he faced. And when we follow him, when we place our lives in his hands and say, Jesus, guide me. I want you to be my boss. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I commit myself to you. I need you to change me from the inside out. Then he gives the ability for us to bounce back from all kinds of hard things that happen to us. Last night, as uh, Luann was, we had a really good meal last night. We had some friends over, and uh, Luann was cooking up a storm, and I was trying to help and stay out of the way at the same time. And she put on some music to listen to uh, while preparing, and there was a song that came on. One particular verse in that song really helped me develop resilience because when one of my best buddies died several years ago from cancer, it just crushed me. I went into a deep funk for a long time, for weeks and weeks, and just felt so disappointed with God. I mean, I prayed for that guy to get healed. I fasted. I did everything I could think of. But he died. He died. And I was so discouraged. And as I was listening to the words of that song again yesterday, it reminded me, that God was helping me to build, helping to build resilience in me through that difficult time and to give me perspective and to trust, to be able to trust God. Even in hard times, he gives us the ability to bounce back. It all comes from him. So friends, this morning, as we remember what Jesus did, on the cross. He died for us. He thought we were worth dying for. I hope that gives us, that begins to give us some hope for the future, that he's going to continue working in our lives. And the natural um, 
response to someone doing something like this um, should be this. As we see, dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, this is the Apostle Paul writing, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So, here's the interesting thing that goes on. When we think about Jesus being our example, putting aside all his rights to die for us, even though we didn't deserve it, we think, wow, that's amazing. Jesus thought I was worth dying for. So when I follow him, I willingly lay aside all my rights to serve him and to serve the people that he brings across my path, right? That doesn't mean we become a doormat. It just means when I lay aside my rights, it's my right to to be first, to be self-centered, all those things he's asking me to, to lay aside. And as the funny thing about following Jesus He said that if you lose your life, you'll find it. If you lose your self-centered life, if you lose your life about always getting your way and always having to win and always got to be first, if you lose that, all of a sudden you find, wow, this is what life's all about. It's not about me striving or having to be first or making life all about me. It's about having a friendship with Jesus. And letting him change me. And letting Jesus tell me my value, not other people. Do you know what? This week when kids go back to school, so many of them will be concerned looking around at people and saying, am I valuable enough? Do I have the right clothes? Do I have the right, do I look okay? Do I fit in? Jesus gives us our value. When we learn how to stop striving, And stop trying to prove ourselves to ourselves and other people. When we can rest in his acceptance of us. Wow, what a relief. The pressure is off and we can go through life knowing that we have so much value because of what he says about us. It's such a relief. And... That's why Paul says in this verse, okay, work this stuff out. If you followed my instructions, if you're following the example of Jesus, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work this stuff out. Now, is it all about keeping rules? No. You can, we have the freedom to work this stuff out because this verse says that God is working in us. And that's how it works. God starts working in us, and all of a sudden, our attitudes start to change. There's a shift. We don't see people as enemies anymore. God shows us how broken they are. We're all broken, and our our attitudes change, and he gradually changes us from the inside out. But it takes intentionality. It takes effort, but God is doing all the work. It's like our our little son, Caleb. For the first time, um, I was trying to teach him how to open those automatic doors in the supermarket. And he rides, he had this little green plastic tractor he used to drive all over the neighborhood. And you could hear him coming from like a mile away. Rattle, 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 rattle. Well, we went to the grocery store and he stops and looks at, this, looks at the door and it's not opening. There's no magic words or anything. 
it's not working. So I coax him onto the black mat in front of the door. And I'm sure he was thinking, Dad, you are so weird. What are you thinking? And I coax him onto that black mat. And all of a sudden, what happened when he stepped on the black mat? What happened? Guess. The door opened. It's amazing. It's almost like a miracle. Now, what made the door open? Well, my, electri- my electrical engineers would explain the circuiting and all that stuff, but basically it was in response to that act of faith, stepping out and saying, boom, okay, door open, step on the mat. So what this verse is saying, work out the implications, work out the results of your salvation, okay? Obey God, because, and then God will open doors. Things will happen because God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Then we'll be able to develop that resilience that God wants, us, wants to give us as we encounter hardships in life. One last verse to leave you with. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritually refining process with glory just around the corner. Just around the corner. So let me encourage us, if we're going through adversity, or when we, not if, when we encounter adversity, hang in there and let God do his work in you. Say, okay, Lord, this is a rough situation. What have you got to teach me in this? And trust him that he's going to use that hard time to shape you and build spiritual endurance in you. And somehow he will make things turn out the way he intends them to. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the example of Jesus who is so demonstrated a lot of resilience in going to the cross, even though it was an awful way to die, but he volunteered to die for us when we didn't deserve it. Thank you that all the sin and the bad things we've ever done, we were able to heap on him, and he died on our behalf. I pray that you would give us endurance this week and help us to be compassionate with one another as we walk through hard times. And fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us a sense of perspective and hope in life. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would would just lead us now as we celebrate what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.